Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. I'm going to be reading the message version right here. We are in part three of a series that we're doing called, Oh, hey, the Hallelujah Wall. Look at you back there. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, before I get into my message, got to say hello, man. You guys are looking sharp today. Everybody feeling the blessing today? You guys feeling the power of the Holy Spirit in here today? We're ready to move forward and get to the next level. I speak that blessing over you, hallelujah, wall, by the way, over your families. Come on, wave your hand if you're feeling it today. Amen. Good, good to connect with you guys. Miss y'all. Be glad to see you every week on the hallelujah wall. Turn with me. Okay, Matthew, or excuse me, that's not even, Matthew has nothing to do. Uh, with what I'm reading right now. It is a book of, it's the first book of the New Testament, if you're interested. But Galatians 5.22 says, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life. You could say amen to some of these. Serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. Wow, these are the evidences that the Holy Spirit is in our life. A sense of compassion in the heart. Couldn't we use a little more of that? And a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way into life able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Galatians 5.22 in the King James, a little more old school. It's the one I have memorized when I was a kid. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I'm going to talk to you part three in our Orchard series today. Today's message is called Let Love Rule. Let Love Rule. Father, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness today in our lives. I just pray in Jesus' name that every person that is watching would just be energized, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, empowered. Lord, I pray also that as we're in this season, just feel it in my heart right now to pray this. As we're in this season, people that have differing feelings on what we're going through as a society, as a city, as a state. Lord, that we would have a tremendous grace for other people that do not see the situation the same way we do. That as Christians, Lord, we would be able to have a peaceable spirit, which is one of the fruits of the spirit, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name as we move forward, you give us a grace for others and a peace for our own lives to navigate, just like that scripture said, to navigate properly. We thank you for this message. Lord, let it touch lives. Let it lift up the name of Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Well, I want to uh, tell you a little story. When I was 14, I was sitting on my bed, just come back from football practice. And by the way, I'm going to give a huge shout out to the OG Papa Bear, uh, Pastor Gary Smith, Dr. Gary Smith, the founder of our church. Happy birthday, Dad. Yesterday was Dad's birthday. So I'm going to sing the old school Church of God of Prophecy, birthday song that we used to sing when I was a little kid in the old denomination I grew up in. 
He'd go, oh, happy birthday to you, oh, happy birthday to you. May you find Jesus near every day of the year. Oh, happy birthday to you, oh, happy birthday to you. And the best year you've ever had. Now, Pop, you reach your hand in that jar of pennies, and you grab out as many pennies as you can hold, because that's what we used to be able to do back in the day. <laughs> that was, it seemed like a fortune. Uh, I don't know, maybe we should change the denominations to at least quarters. You've earned it at this point. But Dad, when I was 14, came into my room after football practice. I'm sitting on my bed, and he has this gigantic box. And he opens the door, and I, I said, what is that? He said, that's called a, a sequencer. It's a keyboard. And this is 1986. He goes, learn how to use it. You program music in it. I said, why? He goes, because you're the new youth pastor. You're going you're to program all the music on it and sing it with your guitar on Monday night. Learn how to use it. And he just shut the door and walked out. I mean, he didn't say please. He didn't, I mean, just like he just, boom, that's it. So by the time I was 15, well, number one, I had to learn. So I, Monday night, I, I programmed Run to You by Brian Adams. That's like one of the only songs I knew how to play on the guitar. And there was no like Hillsong worship back in the day. I just sang Brian Adams songs. Like, like, just, and like, I had like 200 kids there. It was crazy. So by the time I was 15, I played this thing every day, nonstop, hours and hours a week. When I was 15, I was programming music for bands in Orlando. I would give them a floppy disk, top 40 bands, and I would sequence all the music for these bands. And I was making over $200 a week just from programming music when I was 15 for, for bands in Orlando. When I was 17, signed my first record deal. 19, moved out to Dallas. I did tons of uh, commercials out in Dallas, jingle work. I was on the radio, did stuff for Disney, all, all kind of stuff in addition to all the songs I wrote. But I, I became a music producer. And I made money based on what I would produce. If I was producing jingles, if I was producing commercials, if I was producing songs, I would make money based on what I produced. The more I produced the more value I had to the person that I worked for. A producer is not very valuable without produce. So what is produce? Well, produce is the noun version of produce. And it's the product that the producer produces. So a producer is not very valuable unless they have produce. And isn't it interesting that when you go to buy fruit, at the grocery store, what section do you go to? No, not the fruit section. Who over there said that? Be quiet. You're messing up my message. No, no one said anything. I'm, I'm joking. Uh, the produce section. That's the section you go to. Not the fruit section, but the produce section. That's what you call fruits. It's produce. And it's really important for us to know in our lives that Luke 13, 6 through 9 has a parable that teaches us the, the, the importance and the significance of our lives bearing fruit for Jesus. Somebody say, my life is an orchard. Come on, say, my purpose is to produce godly fruit. Come on, say, my purpose is to produce godly fruit. So Jesus tells a parable. He says, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. 
So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree. By the way, three years is long enough where it's not just a bad month. Three years is long enough where it's not just a, a pandemic funk that you're in. Three years means that it's been consistent enough and enough time has passed. Maybe that gives us a glimpse into the mind of the person who owns the vineyard and in which it starts to be pretty evident that there is a severe deep problem if no fruit is being produced. And he says to the man who takes care of the vineyard, for three years I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, haven't found any, cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Mm. Why should this dead tree use up all the godly resources that are around it that are bringing nourishment? You ever notice sometimes that a lot of dead people, all they do is just suck the life out of everybody around you. The resources just sucks it up dry. The complaining just sucks it up dry. The people that do have life suck the life right out of them. It's wild, but it's true. And sir, the man replied, so who is the man, the one who takes care of the vineyard? Leave it alone for one more year. That would be four years. Leave it alone for a year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. I can do a whole message on that. <laughs> I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. The, the Lord, Jesus, I believe, is pleading with the Father in this parable. And he's saying, I see that this person has not been as fruitful as possible, but let me, and I love the fact that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit prays for us and he, he makes intercession for us with, with, with groanings that cannot be uttered, just deep levels of prayer that the, the, the Son and the Holy Spirit constantly in prayer for us, praying that whatever season we're in that's not producing fruit, doing everything to make it possible that we're fruitful with our lives so we can be pleasing to Father God. Who wants to be pleasing to Father God? I know I do. I know when I look up at, at Father God, I want him to go, look at my son, Jeff, producing fruit for me, a fruitful life. And if I'm in a funky season, number one, I gotta recognize it i got to recognize I'm in a bad season. And, and I want to make that part of my life available so God can fertilize it. And I'm going to tell you something. When you go through a fertilization season, it's no fun. When God starts bringing fertilizer <laughs> into your world, it's tough. It's tough to deal with. But he's doing it because he loves you. He desperately wants to see you grow. So... This is important to know that God is patient with us. The Holy Spirit is patient with us. But the purpose of a fruit tree is to produce fruit. It's produce. We have to have produce in our life or we're not a very good producer. And here's something I want to remind you. Is that true Christian growth, these four things, you've probably heard me say them before. But true Christian growth are these four things. It's gradual. True Christian growth is internal. True Christian growth is inevitable. And true Christian growth is symmetrical. Okay, so let's start with that first one. True Christian growth is gradual. It, it is so wild having three kids 
at various stages of growing. Mia's 17, Judah's 15, Zoe is eight. It's just strange. Sometimes, I don't know if you're a parent, uh, but if you are, sometimes when your kid hasn't grown, you go, they're going to be you know, three feet tall forever. And you go, oh, wait a second. Okay, I, I turned around and forgot about it. And now they're, you know, four, nine or something. And they're, they're getting up there. Uh, well, I mean, Mia is five, eight. And she's, she's a tall girl. I'm five, nine. She's almost right there with me. For the longest time, I'm wondering, is Jude going to pass her? Well, Jude just passed her. And now every time we play games, Jude's name, when we log in, is the tallest child. He is so proud of being... <laughs> Of being the tallest child. And, and I, I love that. But I think what's interesting is that never at any point did he, you know, say, Dad, ah, help me. I'm, what's wrong, son? I'm growing. No, it doesn't work that way. Growth is not so immediate that you recognize it in the moment. It's something that happens gradually. So true Christian growth is gradual. Okay, that's, and then here's the second thing. True Christian growth is, is internal. You don't simply measure it by how many songs you've written. You don't simply measure it by how many days in a row you served at church. You don't measure it necessarily by how much money you give. I mean, I'm, just not, even, I'm not even getting amens from my staff in here. They're all like, Why? Because it's internal. It's something that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. Now, the reason you don't measure it by all those things, eventually you can see fruit on the outside. But the reason you can't measure it just like that is because you really can't measure what God is doing on the inside of someone. You can see its results later on, but don't be foolish enough to measure it by what you see. What you see is a result of what God has done on the inside of you already. He's done that in advance. So it's gradual, it's internal, it's inevitable. Okay, now here is the, here's the part that a lot of people would argue with, saying that it's inevitable. What does inevitable mean? It's, it means it will happen, period. So you say, but I'm not growing. Well, you might be on year three. You, you know what I'm saying? You might be at that point where... God is going, this person claims to be one thing, but they got no fruit in their life. Cut it down. And I mean, I don't want to come to the point in my life where the father just kind of steps back. And I, I agree, he is for us in every possible way. But I also know there are seasons of our life where we continue to bang our heads against the wall. And sometimes we step outside of his favor and his provision and his protection. We say, no, I'm going to do it my own way. And what's really hard about our relationship with God is that sometimes that's the very place that we have to get before we go, okay, I'm ready to come back now. And sometimes he even allows us to go to those extremes and those edges because we're not learning. So it's inevitable. You will grow if you're saved. If you are saved, you will grow. So if someone has been a Christian for 20 years and they're the same exact person they were 20 years ago or meaner, you got to question whether that person has really ever had an experience knowing who Jesus is. It's gradual. It's internal. It's 
inevitable. I mean, when I say inevitable, you, you just simply can't stop it. I love the story of G. Campbell Morgan, where he told a story about a man that demanded that a marble slab be put over his coffin so that he would remain underground forever. Demanded. I, I don't want anything to affect me, but you know what he didn't realize? He was gone. He couldn't really realize it. That whoever planted that thing, an acorn accidentally got under there. You know what happened? The biggest tree in the whole place split that marble slab in two. Why? Because its growth was inevitable. And if you've got the power of, somebody should be, should be shouting hallelujah today. If you've got the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to grow. So it's gradual, it's internal, it's inevitable. And then finally, true Christian growth is symmetrical. What does that mean? It means love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. You're growing in all of them all the time. A little bit all the time. You know what? Sometimes my patience. I need some Holy Ghost in my patience. Because my Holy Ghost is down low in the patience area right at that point. I'm not letting them do too much in my life. But you know what? I might be good in joy. I might be good in peace, but suffering in patience or suffering in faithfulness. Some area where I'm just not putting my, my, my hard work in the way I should. I'm not sticking to it. That stick to that is faithfulness. I'm not showing enough of it in that area. Or, or my gentleness. I'm just not being having a gentle spirit. That don't, doesn't mean being wimpy. It just means that I'm, I'm abrasive with people. I'm not being as kind as I should. Are you following me? So sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. But no matter how they're up or how they're down, they're all growing at the same time. They're still going up. They're fluctuating, you know, as they're all moving up together. So it's gradual. It's internal. It's inevitable. And true Christian growth is symmetrical. So the last couple of weeks in our series, and I'm not going to spend any time recapping today. I just ask you to go back and watch part one and two because I think they're fundamental uh, living to living the spirit life. They were really about living the spirit life rather than settling for this base level of living, which is either legalism, trying to earn everything, or lawlessness, just saying, oh, well, God's grace is big enough for anything. It's just above, the spirit life is above any of those. And what we do when we live the spirit life is we begin to produce that fruit that it's talking about in Galatians 5.22. And what's the first one? Love. Okay, so I'm going to talk for a second about love. Okay, that's the word agape. And what it means, in the Greek, it's the word agape, love. And that fruit is to serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not for what that person brings to you. To serve somebody because they're valuable to God, therefore they are valuable to you, and you serve them because of the value they have, not because of the value they bring to you but because of the value that they have to God. Now, what is the opposite of love? Hate. Well, hold on. Uh, let's think about that for a second. Because the kind of love we're talking about is rooted in security. It's rooted in the security of the Holy Spirit. So really the opposite of that godly fruit of love is fear or self-protection 
and abusing people. Rather than loving people, it's abusing them. It's the opposite of love. So that's the, the people that struggle in the area of love might struggle a lot with fear. They might struggle a lot with self-protection or abusing people. And one of the counterfeits of true love is selfish affection. It is people that like to rescue someone. What you don't realize is that by rescuing someone with your love, what you're really doing is just rescuing yourself. That's what counterfeit love does. See, you're not... You're not attracted to the person, but you are attracted to how that person's love makes you feel about yourself. Hallelujah, all. Are you at least shaking your head sideways like, mm, that's good. Just, just act like it. if you. Okay, yeah, you're feeling it. Yeah, they're doing good. <laughs> no, it is good. That's, the, that's that kind of counterfeit love. You're not really attracted to the person. You're attracted to how that person's love makes you feel all kinds of counterfeits of love. But true love is so beautiful. It is so selfless. Friday night during quarantine, uh, I had an idea earlier in the week and I said to the family, I said, on, I think it was on Monday, I said, hey, what if we did a, a stay in, go out family date night? And they're like, what? what's that? You know, I mean, just anything at this point. I mean, you know, even in, indoors, like 40 something days, any idea, people are like, what are you talking about? So I said, what if we, you know, decide a restaurant and they pick like urban hibachi. Um, everyone will order in advance. Tell me what you want. I'll go out and pick it up. We'll come back. I'll put menus on the table. I'll be your server. I'll plate all the food, bring it out to you. Take your drink orders. Mommy can go then after we're done and she'll set up a a concession stand and we'll turn our living room into a movie theater. We'll put all the couches side by side and we can all sit there and watch the movies. Mommy can do, work the concession stand. We can give fake money. And I mean, Zoe just got, everyone was into it. Everyone was so into the idea. So I said, we'll get dressed. We'll walk outside. We'll come in the front door. Mommy will be the hostess. She'll seat us. How many is in your party? We'll just have a fun time pretend. And we just had a really great, everyone look, my gosh, I've got the most gorgeous Ladies in my house, my, my wife and my daughter, so pretty, my son, so handsome. I got to give it up for Jude. Jude kill a, killing an awesome beard right now. My, my man got a little, man, he, the quarantine, he's, he's just gone to another level. It was, he was looking handsome. It was just so much fun. We had a great time hanging out together, watched, watched the fun movie. And, and it was just one of the most memorable nights we ever had. Well, yesterday, which was Saturday, it was so funny. Zoe comes into our room. And, and she says, Daddy, I need to talk to you about something. I said, what? And this is, this is a direct quote. She says, I really enjoyed and thought it was very sweet how you served me yesterday. She doesn't even talk like this. She says, how you served me yesterday, and I would really love to serve you today. She said, so is there any way that I could turn our house into a Chick-fil-A today? <laughs> I said, absolutely. And she created menus and then and she opened a little candy shop. And so the funnest part of it for her was serving me. How true is that love? How true is the kind of love where you just love somebody for who they are 
and you can give and give to show them how much you appreciate. I want to love strangers like that. I, why? Because that's the kind of love that God has for people. He has a love for us that is not based on what we've done. It's based on who we are in him. And you know what? I'm just going to, this is, this is not super rehearsed. That's actually not rehearsed at all because I just told Daniel, our sound guy, to get a guitar ready. Uh, the great philosopher Lenny Kravitz had an unbelievable song, 1989. The reason I love this song so much is I was into like R&B kind of music, 1989. When I heard this record, it was super stripped back, live instruments. It sounded at that time like it was 15 or 20 years earlier, like a, I don't know, just a super cool soul rock kind of thing. But he had a song on there that was so great. So my song, my title of my message today is Let Love Rule. I don't even know if I can remember the word. Yeah. Love is gentle as a rose. Can conquer any war. We got to take a stand. Brothers and sisters, join hands. We got to let love rule. Let love rule. We got to let love rule. to let love rule. Let love rule. We have got to make sure that that first fruit of the spirit, love, is ruling in our lives. Actually, if you could listen to the next song, on the record, it's called Freedom Train. Got the freedom train. Dance on the freedom train. The freedom train. Why am I singing that? Because if you let love rule, you'll find out what freedom really looks like in your life. Let the produce of love be evident in your life. Now, I'm not actually going to eat this this week because I found out last week that when I took a bite, it came straight from the produce section. No one had washed it. it I don't know, man. I thought it was like going to be like Corona City. When I ate, I was worried. I got home. I started taking a nap. I'm like, <laughs> am I coughing? It was wild. Let love rule. Is this an onion? Is that an apple? That's a pomegranate. I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know what? Pomegranates are in the Bible. They're sweet. I picked the sweetest fruit in the whole thing. 
Listen, today, let me grab something else real quick. Hold on. Okay, I know what this is. That's a pair. Let love rule in everything you do today. Man, you know, look at somebody next to you. If someone's next to you and say, let love rule. Put your hand on your heart if you're by yourself and say, I'm going to let love rule. Why? We want to produce godly fruit in our life. We want produce. I'm going to read you this, and next week I'm going to get deep into this subject of love. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. Also in John, that's John 13, John 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. John 15, 17, this is my command, love each other. 1 John 3, 11, for this is the message you've heard from the beginning, we should love one another. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says, if anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 1 John 3, 23 says, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. 1 John 4, 7 says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know, does not love, does not know God because God is love. Let's love. Let love rule. Stop living with this fake fruit. You know what? It looks better. Is this on right here? Hey, look at this. It's funny. The fake one looks better. This is kind of beat up right here. I'm going to tell you something. Marty, don't eat this if you're hungry because it'll not fill you up. Even if it's a little beat up. You know, love is a warrior and it'll fight for your future. Sometimes love is bloody. Sometimes love is beat up. Sometimes it's bruised. But you know what? If we keep living out what God has called us to. He's going to cultivate us. He's going to take care of us. Love, love, love. Let love rule. Don't be in that position where your life is that tree. And God looks at your whole world. He's not seeing anything produced. He says, cut it down. He's got compassion and mercy on us. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're saying, give me time. Give me some time to fertilize it. You know, there's, I'm not, there's just really no eloquent way to sit and say this, but there's, for me, I can't think of one right now. But you might be in that season where, where Jesus is going, let me fertilize this. Let me, let me put some stuff, let, let, let me enrich the soil. Let, let, let me protect this any way I can. Maybe you're in a tough season right now. And you don't even know that Jesus is fighting for you. The Holy Spirit is fighting for you. Give in today. Let love rule in your life. Give in to the will of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit today. Let love rule. Grow some love in your life today. And you can't do it on your own. You can only do it through Jesus. So if you're watching this morning, on this beautiful day, the blessing, if you're watching and you need Jesus in your life, I'm just going to encourage you right now to listen to this gospel invitation. It's this. The Bible says, that God loved us in this way, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
He loved us so much that on our worst day, he gave his best gift so we could be redeemed. Can you imagine doing the nicest thing for someone who has done the worst thing toward you? It's not the way we're wired, but that's the difference in the agape love of God and our conditional love that we have for people. God loves us with an unconditional love. So today, if you don't know that love, or maybe you have just not been producing these beautiful kinds of fruit that I'm talking about here, and you just say, I just need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need Jesus in my life today. If that's you, you know it. Your heart tells you. Your soul tells you that you're not satisfied today. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, lift it in the chat rooms, lift it on Facebook, lift it on cityoflife.live. There's a place that says, I'm raising my hand. And if you need to type it in, let someone know, please do that. We ask you to do that today. Say, I need Jesus in my life. Type that in. I need Jesus in my life. And I'm going to pray with you right now and ask that Jesus would become the Lord and the Savior of your life. Let's pray right now. Repeat this with me. Say, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life with you. I will never be the same. I ask you, Lord, to let the kind of seed be planted in my heart that produces incredible fruit for your kingdom. With every person I meet, every opportunity I have to shine for you. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.